Romans chapter 11, verse 22. We're going to read the scripture. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible today. Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity. Severity toward those who have fallen, but kindness toward you. If you remain in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in because God has the power to graft them in again. But what I really want to focus on, so what it's talking about here is, is the cultivated branch, the, the, which would be Israel, right? God's chosen people. And, and in the context of this verse that, that uh, Paul is writing here is that he's saying they were God's chosen people. And yet they lost they lost their place. Right. So not fully. But then God raised up the Gentiles, the wild shoot grafted in to the cultivated vine, which is Christ. And and what he's saying here is this is what we want to focus on. Let us know both the kindness and the severity of God. Here's what I want to say. God desires to be known. Do you know this? God loves to be known. He desires to be known, to be worshipped, to be loved. He's chosen in his great wisdom to reveal himself to and through his people. Amazing. His plan for you and me is Christ likeness. This is amazing. This is your destiny, right? If you listen, if you're having a bad day, just look in the mirror and say, you're going to be exactly like Jesus, like exactly like Jesus. Think about this. If you're having a bad day, just know you're going somewhere and you know what it is? It's perfection. This is God's plan for you. And as his child, it cannot fail. No matter how this life goes and we're called to victory, at the end of the age, your destiny is perfection. That ought to give you some hope. That ought to give you some encouragement. But there's a purpose for this transformation in this time. And it is so that what you have received from God can make it into the world. So it's a very simple call that we have. It's to know God and to make him known. Right? So Jesus came as a witness of the Father. Amen? He was the only authentic and authorized Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> but it's true. It is true because God's name is Jehovah and Jesus came as a witness of Jehovah God the Father. And so he came and he said, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. I'm his witness. If you've seen me, you've seen him. And then, and then, no, it's a good word because I'm going somewhere with this. 
And then I know I'm glad you're enjoying that, but there's truth in it. It's good to laugh and have truth. And, and, uh, but, but, but then, see, Jesus was the witness for the Father, and then he said, you'll receive power and be whose witness? Mine. Not mine. Jesus. So Jesus was a witness of the Father, and we are witnesses of Christ. Who continually witnesses of the Father, who continually speaks through his Son, who continually manifests himself to the world through you and me. <laughs> it's oneness. Powerful. God's plan, this is simple stuff, this is 101 here. God's plan for the world is to win the world to himself by displaying himself to the world through you and me. Here's the good news. You're not part of God's plan. You are God's plan. Isn't that amazing? God has a plan for your life, but on a much grander scale, you're not just part of a plan that God has. You are his plan. A better way to say it is we, we are God's plan together. And so let's look at this. Let's, it says that we would know both the kindness and the severity of God. I believe in our day, God is raising up his people to manifest his nature to the world in a way that the world has never seen. Amen. To this degree. I'm not saying it hasn't happened before. It has happened before. In one way, there's nothing new. It's been happening for over 2,000 years. This has been what God is doing on the earth. We know what God's plan for our life is because he gave us the plan over 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Right? If you ever wonder what time it is, it's it's just time to live out the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. That's really all we need to know to live successfully with God. Love him first. Love each other. Get everybody else in. I, need, I like it simple. I like it simple. And God has made it simple, hasn't he? You see, here's the amazing thing about God. He is simple in his approach to us. He's made it so simple and yet fathomless and infinite and deep. So deep. That you'll never, you'll never fathom the depths. You'll, you'll never find the end of the depths of God. Right? This is relationship with God. Simple, but deep, and it costs you everything. But boy, you get everything. What you get in return, right? You ever see the meme with the, with the teddy bear, the big, huge teddy bear? I don't know if you'll get this, but there's a picture, and... And there's a little girl, and she's got this little stuffed animal teddy bear, and you can tell it's like her favorite teddy bear in the picture. And the and the Lord and the Lord has one hand behind his back, and he has his other hand out like this. And he's like, and in the picture, what you understand is he's saying, "Give me the teddy bear. 
And she's just like, ah, that's my favorite teddy bear. And behind his back is this huge, like it looks just like the one she has, but it's huge. It's way bigger and better, you know. It's like, I just, I want to trade you. And, um, and so that's God with us, right? And so our walk with God is simple, but deep, and it costs us everything. But what religion does is it makes it complicated and it's shallow and there's not a lot of reward. So you work hard for almost nothing. But with God, you surrender all and get everything. With religion, it's hard to remember all the rules you're supposed to follow. Because you got more rules than God. And and. That's the truth. That's what the Pharisees had. They had the law, and then they're like, boy, if rules are good, more is better. And they just started writing them, just making them up. And um, that was the case. And, and yet with God, there's this infinite depth, but what it means is surrender. I just want your heart. I want it all. Okay. The kindness and the severity. This word kindness, let's look at this here. The word kindness, it's pretty basic. It's powerful, though. It means kindness. Yeah, you didn't see it coming. I'm going to let it set in. It also means moral goodness. Goodness, moral goodness, integrity, but it's kindness. Involved, oh, another word is... Um, Benignity, which means kindness or tolerance toward others. It means it involves the gentleness of God. God is gentle and kind and loving and inviting. And he's calling mankind. He's calling you and me closer and closer always to his heart. And then there's this word. Yeah, I, you know what I, it made me think of in the Psalms when David said, you know, my frame, that we are dust. David was relating to God and he was like, man, God, you know that I'm just made out of dirt. Like, you know, like you're so gentle with me. You're so kind to me and, and you're God and you treat me so well. And, um, you know, God's treated me better than I've ever treated myself. I think we can all say that. Then there's the word severity. It's, it's an English word. It's the word they've chosen uh, to, to use in the translations, most of them. And it means, it can mean like a, um, you know, actually, they, I felt like the words they gave, roughness, rigor, were not really helpful in that particular study tool. But the word picture they gave really does describe it. And it means abrupt, like a cliff. So in other words, God, there's this aspect of God's nature that even though he's gentle and loving and kind, he's also abrupt, like a cliff, like he's not gradual. He's like, he's God. He's awesome. He's powerful. He's holy. He's mighty. Wow. And I was thinking about how. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So it's the love of God. Well, no, I don't want to use that word because it's Well, I just gave away one of my points that are coming up. 
pretend I didn't say that. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Alan Hood said that a heart won in gentleness is a, is a heart that's held in the tightest grip imaginable. And this is God toward us. That, that he wins our hearts with his gentleness. That even though he's so abrupt and so holy and so awesome... That, that there's angels and beings that are made to live in His presence and they can't even look at them. He's like, when I created you, I gave you two wings just to cover your eyes. You got four for flying, but two of them is just to cover your eyes. Because even though you were made to live in the presence of the glorious throne of God with the emerald rainbow and the thunderings and the lightnings and the cloud. They were created to live in this place, these throne angels, whatever. And they can't even look at God, so we know he's awesome and he's powerful and he's mighty. And so, so that we can look at these things and we can say, well, who is God? Right? Like, like it's almost in our finite thinking, we almost see this as a duality or opposing but what we realize is that when we really begin to gaze upon him and we get to know him, what we understand is that God is love. That means that the severity of God, not only is the kindness, the gentleness of God love, but this intensity, this holiness, this power, all of these things together are the nature of God and this is love. And so love cannot be defined any other way except by looking at love himself. And we have to understand that whatever, like whatever we see about God, that God is love and that his intentions towards us are always, always good. He's merciful. He's kind. So Jesus was and is the exact representation of the Father. I believe that one of the things that God is doing with us is that he is revealing in this day. I believe that like with the passing of, um, of Billy Graham and, and some of those things, that there's, there's, there's an emphasis in these times for the Great Commission to be fulfilled like never before. I was just listening to an evangelist friend of mine recently, and he was noting, and, and, I, and you could look at this guy and, and say, wow, you're making such a difference. They're filling stadiums. They're literally seeing thousands of people respond to the gospel, give their hearts to Jesus. That's what it's all about. And yet, in the midst of all this fruit, it's not to take away from me because it's real fruit. It's real stuff. They're seeing, they're seeing uh, churches united, uh, in, in the efforts of the gospel, pastors and churches coming together. They're seeing all this. And, um, 
And so there's real fruit, real progress. But he was pondering and saying, are we really reaching the world? I love this. I love the humility of heart because they're seeing so much. And they like, are we really reaching the world? And this is the conclusion that he came to. He said, there's one thing I think that we're missing. And by us, he means the church at large. And, and it's this. He said that in times past, during great um, harvest times, that the one thing that he feels that, we're, that we've been missing at large in the church is a conviction upon every individual believer that we each have a place in the harvest, in the Great Commission. That though we don't have to stand on street corners and preach, that there's a general understanding in the life of every believer that we are a light to the world. And that this nature of God that is manifest to us is manifesting through us in the marketplace, in the stores, in our home groups, wherever we go. Amen? And so, I, I don't know about you, I, for me, I don't want formula. You know what I mean? Anybody with me on this? Like, we don't want formula. I don't want to play. I want to play church. I want to see people know God. I want to see people come to Jesus. I want to see the church continue to mature. Growing steadily and radically into this full manifestation of Christ on the earth. And it is God's heart that each of us have a mature manifestation of who Christ is. Let me say it a different way. It's your destiny. I think if you say it's God's heart, sometimes that can sound like a hard job that you have to do. The, the reality is it's not a hard job that you have to do. It is a job that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And the only thing it takes for that to continue to happen is a yes in our hearts. A realization that that's what's happening. And, and so that's my heart. And so, and I believe this is what's on the heart of God. A full representation of Christ through his church. What does this look like? Remember the WWJD bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? Now, I love the WWJD bracelets because, because it would remind us about the character of Christ in our everyday life, which is so important. Amen? Usually, that, the, the what would Jesus do movement would be, is, is great. It's a great. It's a great emphasis in the church. And, but it would mainly focus on, like, the character of Christ. So, you know, he would be humble, he would be generous, he would be kind, he would be forgiving. Amen. What would Jesus do? We need that, right? But the other things that Jesus would do, and this is what I believe, the other things that Jesus would do is that he would also heal the sick, he would raise the dead, he would, he would uh, put people in their right minds, he would cast out demons. Whatever was hindering the human life from the freedom that Christ paid for, this is what Jesus would also do. That he would break those chains. And he would also move in a life in a way that any kind of character in, in, a, in our life, right? So let me, just, let me just simply say it this way. 
and let the truth do its work. That a full representation of Christ, I believe, can be summed up basically in three words. And it's love, purity, and power. That Jesus paid the ultimate price to, to, to unite us with God so that his church would live in love, in purity, and in power. Anybody on board? And so, and even though it's God's heart that the individual will manifest this fullness of Christ, right? So I believe that. I believe that Jonathan and I and Louise and everybody here, like, I believe that it's God's heart for me to manifest the love of God in my life. That his love will flow through me. That his purity of character would be on display in my life. Yes, God. That, that, that his power would flow through my life. Right? But this is where I'm going with this. On a greater level, what it really takes is that, see, a fullness, the fullness of Christ will be on display not only just through Aaron's life, Shelley's life as individuals, but through our life corporately when we live together as the body of Christ. Why? Because, you know, Annie might carry the wisdom of God. And she does. We know that. Authority, right? So in other words, you've got some people who carry the power of God almost innately. Like they, they get saved and boom, there's an anointing for the power of God in their life. And we see signs, wonders, miracles... You know what I'm saying? You got a Fenton McDaniels. You got, you know, you got different people that, that like, they get saved and they're like, God speaks and He shows up in power. And it's like, they just, no, almost nobody almost had to tell them that. They just know God and that's what they know about Him. You know? And then somebody else comes to Jesus and they're like, they're like, well, you know what? God, God is a, He's a, He's a holy God. Wow, oh, He's so holy. And they, and they live in this, in this fascination with the holiness of God, and you get around them, and it gets on you. Right? And, 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 and some people are just, like, they just carry more love than most people. You know? And, and then the love of God is overflowing, and you get around them, and the love of God just overflows in our midst. And so what happens is, since God has manifested himself to us, individually and corporately, what happens is a full manifestation of Christ as we live together shines to the world. And they look at us as the community of God, as the people of God, as, the, as Christ himself, really as one unit. And they see God on display, yes, in you and me, but in us.
so what the Lord has continued to do over time is that at different times in the church, he will emphasize different aspects of his character, of his nature. And it's not that God is um, in different moods. Right? Feel a little more kind today. Manifesting my kindness. Feel a little more powerful today. I'm doing more miracles. No. God is the same. As somebody said earlier. And God is the same. He doesn't change. So when God is emphasizing something, it isn't for his sake or because he got up on... He doesn't sleep, so he doesn't get up on any side of the bed. And... And it is, it is for our sake and for a greater purpose, for the sake of the mission of God in the earth to bring sons and daughters unto himself. And so he says in the church at times throughout history, he'll, he'll say, oh, you understand my severity. You understand that I am awesome. But you don't. I'm talking if God was talking corporately to the, to the church. But you don't seem to understand how kind I am. How incredibly approachable I actually am because of Christ. That you can actually come confidently before your daddy. And you can call me that. Come on in. And so he begins to move in his church in a way where he emphasizes his goodness. And then he says, oh. But I'm holy. Now, don't forget what I've been teaching you all this time, because I want to show you this, too. And then he begins to manifest his holiness to his people. But what God got, what God is actually doing is that the prophecy, right? He's given us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, all that. And so that the church can become the mature stature of Christ. This is what it's all for. That you and me, because God will have a church on this earth before the time is up, that walks in a way that manifests him so clearly, actually shall be without spot or wrinkle. And what I've found is that it is my understanding of the kindness of God it draws me close to him in relationship. And it's, my rev- and it's a revelation of his awesomeness that reminds me of my need. Do you understand that? That we carry those at the same time. Oh, you're so, you're so kind, right? Because, uh, because the children of Israel... They understood the awesomeness of God, and they're like, don't talk to us. We'll die. No, you won't. I didn't lead you out of there to kill you. I've been setting you free from slavery, not just so I can kill you. They didn't understand the goodness of God. Moses did. He went up to the mountain, showed me your glory. He goes, oh, I'm kind, I'm gracious. Oh, yeah. You know, this is what he understood. And so what I'm saying is, it's hard to preach a balanced message, isn't it? But in a way, this is a great verse for understanding this balance of God's nature. 
that God has the ability to be at all, be all of it at one time. Like we're moody. You know what I'm saying? Like we're we're moody. We don't even know what affects our mood all the time, to be honest. You know? That's why I just like I gotta set my mind on him. It help it just straightens whatever mood out I'm in, you know? Like you ever do a self check in the morning? How am I feeling? All right, God, I'm gonna get with you. Cool. What I'm saying is, very simply, that I believe God has taken us deeper. But it's not just for our sake. It's for the sake of our community. I'm dreaming about transformation. Like, I never, ever wanted to play church, you know, all my life. I'm like, for me, I've just been captured by seeing city safe. You know, God's called us here. And, and when I look out, when I, when I go into town and I see, all I see is people waiting to know God. I just see pre-Christians. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, 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 and the way it happens is simply knowing the light that you carry and letting it shine wherever you go. That this understanding, God is holy and powerful and kind and loving and gentle. This is what the world needs to know. Honestly, they, they use, they, most of them know if God's real, that he's scary. That's what they think. But they need to know he's good. Would you stand? Oh, yeah, go ahead and stand. I'll have you seat in a minute. I went to a holiday market the other night and um, and uh, there were some folks standing out there in the parking lot chatting it up I've been around a lot of accents you know most you know you pick it up when somebody's speaking an accent and then I listen closer I realize oh they're speaking a different language um Oh, and, and I just felt the heart of God. I just was moved for them. and I went inside. I was praying for them as I walked to the store. And um, one guy's kind of tall, a bunch of dreadlocks, and there were like three girls with them, and they were speaking a different language. And I walked, as I was walking back to the car, Amy had uh, sent me to pick up some ice cream. So I was thinking, well, I got the ice cream, you know, can't be too long. Um, but I'm coming out with the ice cream and I said Lord if they say anything to me at all I'll go talk to them I just kind of threw it out there I'm like this is your you know what I mean I'm going to give God something to work with you know what I'm saying if you say anything if they say anything to me at all I'm going to go talk to them I'm okay I'm going to put that in your hands and so I'm waiting I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they say something and, um, and sure enough one of the girls turns around and it's like just locks you know and, and she's like she says, hello. And I'm like, that's good enough for me. I said, if they say anything. And, and hello is something. And, and so, so I walked over there and I didn't have a word. But when I was dreaming about in the, in the grocery store, I was, dreaming about, I, was, I was dreaming about walking up to them and talking to them for a minute and then saying, uh, hey, you know, and just inviting Holy Spirit and letting them experience God. And 
But I was being led to the Lord. I walked over. What I actually did is just had a conversation with him and and um, just greeted him. And I thought, I'm just going to go there. I'm going to let my light shine. You know, I'm looking for an opportunity to share with them. That didn't really open up. And sometimes you can make one. But I just felt like I'm going to see these guys again. And I said, where are you from? They said, Belgium. Oh, that's amazing. I have a friend living in Belgium. What brings you here? The weed business, man. He said, I said, I said, well, I got a friend living in Belgium, man. He loves it, you know, and I'm just like connecting with them and, and I'm going on and on. And they're looking at me like, what in the world? You just walked up and you're just yakking away at us, you know, and, and um, just being friendly. Because what I know that I'm doing is they're experiencing God's light and they don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. They, they, I, I was watching it. You know, it's like, this guy's more than a nice guy. What's the deal? You can see it, you know? And I'm like, oh, it's the light of God, you know? And, and that's okay, because I'll see them again. And, and we'll have an opportunity, I, I believe, you know? And um, so I just got to be kind to them, and finally I think it just got a little much, and the guy's like, oh, I'm going to go get a drink. And he just, like, I'm going to get something to drink, you know? And, and they, they walked away. I said, okay, God bless you guys. Have a good night. And um, so what am I saying? It's easy. Plant a seed. You know, we don't have to share the four spiritual laws or something all the time. You know, we just love people. And look for a place to throw a seed. Throw some water on there. But, but the reality of God in you is shining to them. And I believe that we are going to see. I don't mean believe like I kind of believe. Like I believe. That there is a stir in the spirit in this community and that people are coming to him. And we're going to experience a harvest together. And I've been thinking and the last point here with this is I've been thinking about how. What unifies the body of Christ. Is our love for our king. And the mission he's given us. You know, I used to work for a, a, a warehouse. And what I noticed in the slow season, when there was less work, everything got kind of nitpicky. You know what I'm saying? And it was time to, like, keep your head down and work hard because, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're looking to trim some corners. You know, Walmart, you know. And, um, and uh, you know what I'm saying? It gets kind of nitpicky, but man, when the, when the busy season picks up and everybody's working hard, working overtime, putting their hands to the plow, if you will, to put it in our context, you know what happens? The squabbling kind of straightens out. It's like, that's, that's not really worth it. Listen, we love God, we love each other, and we got a job to do. And I believe God's doing that in His church in this hour. That, that actually what He's saying is, listen, remember... You've got a command and a commission. Don't get them mixed up. Like, the commit, you know what I'm saying? You've got a command and a commission. No, yeah, don't get them mixed up. Don't, com- don't confuse the commission for the command and don't go the other way either. But they're equally important. Love God, love each other, and do what I've given you to do. And you will bear much fruit. It's what I've called you to do. You carry... The manifestation of God inside of you. Father, I, I, I thank you that you would anoint us, God, for this mission. That we would see fruit. I thank you that the harvest is ripe. 
In Jesus' name. I thank you for your wisdom and your help.